0: Hi Ben, welcome to Mutfaat Akimmar Hey, thanks for having me. So speaking of this podcast a little, as I told you before, I've been doing this for like a year now and you are the second person whom I'm going to interview, let's say, not in Turkish, but in English. So most of the nearly all the episodes that I have under this series were recorded mm-hmm. in Turkish. And even though you will be one of the rare people whom I received the chance to record in English. Just like yourself, most of the other people that I hosted under this podcast had some passion in their lives, whom dedicated a great amount of their time to what they believe is their purpose in life. So today I'm definitely honored and so happy that with a friend whom I met last summer in Singapore, whom is an environmental activist, is in this podcast series of mine. So once again, I welcome you to Mutfarta Kimmar, which by the way, if I were to translate directly to your language, is who is in the kitchen. Okay. So the first question is: would you mind to tell the audience who you are? So today we are mostly talking about your environmental activist persona as the person who founded the Think Ocean and the primary subject here will probably be on Think Ocean, but before that, would you mind to share us a Benjamin one hundred
1: one? Yeah. Well, once again, thanks again for uh, for having me, Orshin. Um and honored to be your uh, uh, second English recording. That's super exciting. Um, well, a little bit about myself, one hundred one. My name is Ben May. Um, I am from the United States. I was uh, I was born outside of Philadelphia, grew up in New York, and right now I'm weathering the storm for the pandemic in Boston. <laughs> um, I've been a climate activist since the age of five or, or seven, or just very, very young age. Um, and I grew up in a community in New York that was not necessarily... Um, Directive, uh, directed, or or passionate about environmental issues. Uh, generally, you'd speak with many of my peers in elementary school, and middle school, and high school, and like most people, didn't recycle. Um, a lot of people didn't really know about too much about climate change and environmental issues, um, and um, the community that I had didn't really care enough to educate the, the, their children on those issues. Uh, so a big pet peeve of mine growing up was that I come from a family of scientists. Uh, my dad's a biochemist, my mom's a geologist. My brother ultimately is he's right now studying to be a, a marine biologist and my uh, sister, um, a um, biomedical engineer. And I'm the odd one out. Um, <laughs> I uh, decided I wanted to go into activism and, and things like that and of science. But um, when when I was growing up, I was surrounded by this by this sci- scientific talk and scientific thought um, and fact based thinking and looking at things objectively and trying to make decisions and, and opinions based off of the facts rather than emotion. And um, so therefore, I was a very fervent environmentalist growing up as well. Um, my brother and I would do different environmental initiatives, and like we would like uh, we like ran like a fish tank growing up, and um, learned everything about I had like seahorses and anemones and sponges and everything, and um, I was always really passionate about it. Um, and so I would say I started with really large scale organizing or small scale organizing in my school. As a uh, freshman and sophomore in high school, uh, started a environmental club. Um, I know a lot of if you talk to a lot of environmental activists, that's a lot of the time how they get. They get started as they start up a club at their school um so mine i, I went to a very small public school it was about like i think it was 180 people per class um and the club though was about uh on its first day i think we had 60 to 70 people um and so it was a pretty large like a substantial portion of the of the student population that ended up coming to this club and we ultimately implemented a recycling program held um annual beach cleanups and advocated for new legislation on the local, local and regional level, um, and I think that that was the first instance on me getting involved with activism, involved with, uh, with organizing, and it and it made me realize that albeit my community wasn't necessarily uh, environmentally driven and activist driven or. Um, even like had like a strong strong understanding of a lot of environmental issues. A lot of that was just because my community didn't have the resources and capabilities of getting people engaged in that effort, um, and people weren't necessarily standing up to do environmental initiatives and activism simply because they didn't know how to start. And uh, that was one of my biggest lessons as a high school student, and especially as a um, in early on in my activism, um, realizing that there are millions of people out there who want to get engaged and have the passion and, and have the expertise and have the, have the enthusiasm and everything to get started and really do a lot of work, but they just don't have the resources um, to get started. And so um, throughout my high school career, I ended up getting involved with various other initiatives. Uh, in junior year, um, I uh, was... Uh, one of the delegates on a uh, seven person delegation called the Youth rise up campaign Uh, we met with the United Nations um, and the Obama-Biden White House um, and did an international live broadcast a bunch of interviews and filmed a documentary it was like a crazy like four-day adventure Um, and uh, I remember the the capstone or the, the 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 highlight of that trip was that we got to meet with um, the Obama Biden White House with their environmental, uh, their Council on Environmental Quality, um, and we were advocating for the establishment of the first uh, United States National Monument in the Atlantic Ocean. Um, ultimately, that got founded two months, three months later. But it was uh, my first experience advocating for um, and getting policy across on the federal level, and obviously that that decision. Um, wasn't because of that singular meeting, but they um, did cite us as one of the contributing factors to that decision. And it was a, um, something that I was super pa- passionate about and, and proud of at the time, and also something that um, spurred my decision to, to commit the rest of my life to, to this work. Um, and ultimately, all this enthusiasm and passion I came home with um, helped to contribute to the establishment of ThinkOcean so i mean we can (laughs) we'll get into the ghost as well uh but kind of as a introduction it's a um, international network of young environmentalists that are um, high school and college staged we have uh, about 100 chapters in 20 countries and we work on um, educational efforts and conservation efforts and activism efforts um, on the local regional and national international level around the world Um, it's been one of the best and, and amazing opportunities of my life to, uh, um, to be able to lead this network and work with people from you know all around the world on different initiatives and um, has, yeah, it, it's definitely my passion.
0: <laughs> oh my God, like you provided me a lot, of, a lot of information, which honestly speaking, even though I had the chance to talk to you about all this journey of yours for some time, there were many points that you raised, which I surely didn't hear from you before. So with all the fascination that I have in mind, I would like to ask you a couple of things regarding what you have just mentioned. The first thing is like you you stated that you realize you have some kind of different perspective towards environment starting with the ages five to seven. Am yeah. I correct? And when I compare myself to what you have said, like I don't even remember my ages. Like, I don't know, before, let's say seven or eight. I don't know if I'm exaggerating this, but the question I would like to ask is how a person, for instance, can contribute in the very Mm -hmm. childhood to the environmental issues.
1: I would say that it's never too early to get involved. Um, and that's a cliche statement, I would say you hear that a lot. Whenever you go to conferences, especially youth conferences, they're like, Oh, it's never too early to get involved, you should get involved right now. Every, every door open is a new opportunity and leads to more doors. Like, I, I've heard that a 1000 times. Um, but being perfectly honest, it's, it's, it's very true. Uh, no matter how young you are or old you are, um, there's no reason that you can't get involved. And um, Generally, when I tell people, you know, I started as a five to seven year old. Um, some of the work that I was doing at the time was I would like, obviously, I would I would go to um, strikes with with my family. I remember that that was something that uh, was a really transformative experience growing up. Um, I helped to uh, you know work with my siblings as well on different environmental work. But on the on the just like personal level, I remember like I would walk home from school, and um, again, I was in a community that. Uh, I mean, there would be a lot of litter on the ground. And so, uh, you know, walking home from school, I would, I would make a, uh, make a thing out of just picking up plastic bottles and water bottles and, and cans and litter on the ground and either recycling it or throwing it out um, when I got home. And um, I'm a very strong believer that uh, the environmental community should not be the environmental community, but more importantly, society as a whole, um, is not going to be getting progress and should not be pursuing progress by vilifying consumers for their actions. Um, it's, uh, it, I think that the, the biggest change and the, and the most important change that can happen comes from systematic change that doesn't allow for that litter to be there um, and doesn't I'll, that helps to encourage and create incentives for people to litter less, um, to live more sustainably, and, and um, buy things that are more sustainably, um, sustainably sourced, and things. Uh, but I, still, as a young person and as someone that was first starting out, like that's still a, a tangible change in the world um, by picking up that single plastic water bottle, single, single can. So I, I would say that that was definitely the way that I would I got started as a five to seven year old, um, and I've seen incredibly young people get involved and and really make waves um, in the environmental movement in the climate movement um, in the united states we've had things like march for our lives uh, with young people going out and marching and changing federal legislation uh, we have again the youth climate movement i mean think ocean is a good example as high school and college students but um i mean you could you could turn to various different organizations that mobilize people that are as young as like elementary and preschool Um, that are out marching and and pushing for a a better livable future for themselves and future generations. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but (laughs) like a TLDR, too long, didn't read would be that uh, it's never too early to get involved.
0: (laughs) No, no, that, 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 that early answers my question. And my initial, like my initial reason why I needed to ask this very question was not to like fact check your (laughs) statement. But to to actually open another door for my second question, which is obviously when you decided to do something good for climate and like most of the other serious issues that we have been seeing in the world, these kind of serious issues need some serious expertise and communal work to be done. Like individual responses, individual responsibility towards bringing some change might be effective. And yes, it is effective, but it all gets when things turn out to be under a well-set community right and the question here is this like without individual efforts there is no way that people can get it up to create a community like think ocean yet that also requires a process though how is that process like for think ocean from individual actors gathering up together as a whole for a community and the thing is you guys are not a community of people who are physically always in the same room talking, planning, and taking actions.
1: I think that there is a a unifying factor among youth around the world. Um, I think young people are the most idealistic uh the most forward thinking um, and the most pure uh, of just like thought um, of any demographic in the world, arguably uh, simply because you know you you look at any generation and, and whenever people are in their you know <laughs> whenever people are, are young they want to see change in the world and they want to see a future that they can be proud to live um, and so I think that that's that's something that unifies people from around the globe in the sense of, of wanting to see a better future for themselves and uh, for their future children if they choose to have them and, and future generations um, and I think that another unifying factor of young people around the world is that it's very common for us not to be taken seriously. Um, I know at least in the United States, which is the one I can really only only speak towards, um, I've had so many instances of people who've been in environmental activism or more importantly been in in policy work or educational work or conservation work or you, you name it, who have condescended uh, me or members of my team or, or members of a coalition that I'd be a part of uh, simply because of their age, uh, not because of their preparedness or because of their knowledge on the subject um, or anything, but simply because of their age. And, um, you know, I've had many instances of people telling me that's not possible. And then a couple months later, it happens. <laughs> um, and so I would say that those unifying factors along with various others uh, that really like, Bring people together, especially young people, um, have been things that have brought everyone in our network together. Um, in terms of like getting people into the network and helping to build build it to be such a global phenomenon, um, I would say that some of the things that have been very effective is, I mean, again, um, we would work. Like I remember, Think Ocean as a whole, it started on the East Coast of the United States, um, and in its first half year to year um we it was only i think a handful of chapters in a few states within the united states um and uh, we we had it like that simply because one i mean um we had a lot of really passionate activists but we didn't know how this specific organization was going to work and so we wanted to kind of like dry run it (laughs) for a little bit before we um scaled up um because we wanted to see how having exclusively like High school and college age administrators were going to work the best ways of doing it before we really scaled up and, and made it um, a much you know larger spanning organization. Um, and then after that first year, uh, we ended up having I think in the first year we helped to impose uh, plastic straw bans um, and plastic straw. Um, Ban initiatives within different cities and, and, and areas, uh, whether that be, you know, grassroots convincing restaurants to just do a straw upon request policy, uh, where you only give someone a plastic straw uh, if they request it, or if, uh, or, or literally lobbying uh, statewide governments to um, to ban them or encourage people to ban them. Um, and so we did that within our first year, as well as very like a, I think we had the bi-weekly beach cleanups in various different parts of the United States and um, advocated in that way. And, I, and then after that that first year, first half year or so, um, we started getting um, some press coverage and, and some people that were uh, looking at some of the work that we were doing and helped to publicize it. And um, I think that the the first, um, some of the first areas that we, we um, you know, expanded to around the network came from people that heard about some of the work we were doing and were like, hey, I want to get involved. Um, we'll reach out and be like, hey, how do I get how do I get involved? How do I help? Um, and then kind of in a snowball, a snowball effect-esque way, um, people from all around the world getting involved with this network and starting up their own initiatives or contributing to currently existing initiatives and um, really building up that capacity to something that I could never have imagined um, only a few years ago. And so um again i don't know if that answers your question but <laughs> uh, i think that like real progress only comes from coalitions and i think that um, especially for wide scale issues climate change being the first and foremost biggest one in human history um, being so multifaceted so far-reaching and so global it affects everyone and it affects every part of our life um, and so therefore Again, as I said before, there are millions of people around the world who want to get engaged and want to get involved. And if they hear about ways of getting involved, um, then they, I've, I've found from my personal experience, they jump at the chance. And, um, and that, that enthusiasm and that passion is something that has driven ThinkOcean and has driven many other organizations to have some real progress.
0: You know, when dealing with problems, there mostly is a preferred framework of action, mm-hmm. right? like you, you do not only like do this do that and try to solve at least some part of the problem you see do you think when it comes to climate activism and to work towards the climate crisis is there like a well known and mostly applied framework within like within the think ocean or any kind of action that reduces the harms of people towards climate counts? Is it mostly some individual wisdom that is trying to create an impact within a given personal framework?
1: We could have a podcast just about that one question, dude. (laughs) Um, I mean, so starting with just like framing the issue, um, the climate crisis, uh, climate justice, environmental issues, not just in my opinion, uh, but I think objectively, is the most urgent, uh, potentially catastrophic, and certainly important crisis and issue that the human race as a whole has ever faced in its history. Um, we've never faced a crisis that threatens our, our very existence. Um, obviously, nuclear war and, and weapons of mass destruction has previously done that. But this is something as well that we are currently on track towards um, self-destruction. And whether that materializes in terms of um, the end of the world order, the end of what we all hold for granted, or whatever it is, um, it's terrifying. And especially as a young person, I'm sure you can empathize with this. It's it's a really scary thought that the current world order that we have of technology and, and, and modern medicine, um, and widespread um, generalized prosperity, it's, it's a very new phenomenon, and it's, it's something that we are putting at risk, and we don't have to be putting at risk, but we are choosing to put at risk because of inaction. Um, and so I guess to, to start, <laughs> I, I would definitely say that um, creating a sense of urgency Demonstrating that sense of urgency and um, communicating that sense of urgency to the right people is, uh, I think, integral to every step of the work that that we do. Um, and I know demonstrating a lot of the a lot of the work that we that we've done comes from um, individual actions. Uh, I know we, we we spoke about this a little bit before the the podcast, and I didn't I didn't come up with this. I I'd heard about this uh, I heard about this quote um, months ago or a year ago. I don't necessarily remember, but um, it's one of my favorite quotes. And the the quote is basically that every initiative starts with I, and that I is I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and um, whether it's in high school when I said, I'm gonna start this environmental club or whether it's on a global level and someone's like, I'm gonna rally people to do this. But um, those eyes coalesce into a we. And I think that that is something that is exemplified by the environmental movement and the youth activist movement of, of many people saying, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write this op-ed or I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out there and spend some extra time and, and maybe sleep less or maybe like goof off less or whatever. To commit towards this passion and towards this this initiative, um, and that coalesces into uh, dozens, hundreds, thousands, millions of people around the world um, together saying we are doing this, and uh, and I think that's a powerful aspect of youth activism, youth organizing, and particularly with Think Ocean, and <laughs> as a as a case example, and as my personal experience, um, Think Ocean does. Uh, has a lot of different ways of of mobilizing people and getting people engaged um, and helping to mentor projects and get projects off the ground. Um, Part of that comes from giving a lot of our, I guess, as I said, we have almost about 100 chapters around the world. And we give each one of our chapters a lot of autonomy into the projects that they do. And so those chapters can then address things in their specific community, in their high school or college um, or whatever. But on top of that, a lot of the the work we do is coalesced into uh, regions of of um, you know various different chapters working towards an initiative, whether it's like a, a activist initiative or conservation initiative or, or you name it. Um, and then that coalescing to a national initiative as well. Um, in terms of mentoring, a lot of the mentorship that we give is from veteran environmentalists. Um, we uh, are um, in the process of rolling out a uh, new adv- like advisorship council. Of advisors from various different, um, you know, expertise and and various different fields, whether that's environmental communications, whether that's conservation, uh, whether that's uh, legislative work, um, whether that is uh, simply just like ways of of acquiring funding to 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 create a project, um, or you name it. Um, This advisorship council that we that we're coalescing right now, and we're in the process of rolling out as as we speak. it's something that we connect any projects that different environmentalists within that, within the Think Ocean network want to start getting involved and want to start you know scaling up maybe a project that they started or a project that they have an idea that they want to that they want to pursue um, we connect them with the advisors um, with the resources um, with the you know capacity of various different passionate people in the network and we get it done. Um, I mean uh, uh, a good example of that is a project that we're currently that's currently in the works right now in uh, Cameroon, Africa. Um, it's called um, uh, Litter is Bitter. Um, and it's part of our Think Forward, Think Ocean initiative around the world. Um, and the Litter is, L- is Bitter project without giving too much away because it's still kind of in the, um, in the rollout planning stages. And because of the current global crisis, not environmental crisis, but pandemic, <laughs> um, we're postponing the, like, um, uh, you know the execution of the project, but the the whole thing came from our national coordinator and, and members of his team within Cameroon, proposing that he saw that there was not as much um, you know education on different environmental initiatives, particularly on uh, single-use plastic and on plastic pollution. So he sent a proposal to uh, to me and and, our, and some of our our uh, global council. Um, and we're ultimately going to be connecting um, them with, with mentors and out and of capacity and, and funding and, and, and um, as a whole resources to make that project happen um, and to help to uh, educate and mobilize and work with tens of thousands of young people across Cameroon um, to help educate them on, diff- on different environmental issues and get them mobilized to um, advocate themselves on, on different initiatives. Um, and that's a, I'd say that that's, a, that's a big framework, a lot. The projects we've done all around the world are, um, uh, and uh, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like the way that I end each one of your, each one of my answers is, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's the best I can do.
0: <laughs> I personally feel so connected with the code that you shared, like everything with we actually starts with I. And I think that quote and the message underneath is really valuable for the very perspective that we got to adopt when we are trying to deal with climate crisis, because I think one of the most important aspects we got to understand when it comes to climate is any individual action needs maybe even more reinforcement than any further other action that we have been taking in different kind of subjects when it comes to climate crisis, because you don't see the response right away, right? Like the nat- like you do something good for the nature and then the nature does not always show the influence you contributed to it. So it takes some time. And in order for us, I think, to shorten this very time, there should be a lot of individuals taking some good actions for the cause as well. And I think what you guys have been doing is really influencing. And I just hope from the bottom of my heart that these kinds of communities like think Ocean, will increase in numbers and the message will be delivered even into more systematic channel- channels that can even generate bigger and fruitful impacts. So I will be asking, I think, one or two last questions. Do you have any advice to the youth or any other age group who is listening to this podcast? to? what like what kind of actions can be taken on the individual basis right after those people finished yeah. this recording so i'm a
1: <laughs> I'm going to give a very unorthodox answer to that so I, first I'll introduce the the very orthodox mainstream answer to how do you get involved how do you get engaged um and then I'll give you the real one um, so the <laughs> the mainstream orthodox one is and I, and I think I alluded to this before but it's that any opportunity that comes across your table and any opportunity that you are offered, you should take. And because that opportunity can snowball and can open up more doors and more possibilities and more opportunities in the future. And that can snowball to allow you to create your own opportunities and, and create your own initiatives. Um, and so, yes, I, I, again, a little bit about me <laughs> 101 is that I do not come from a, like a particularly wealthy, wealthy family. A particularly well connected family, uh, well resourced, um, you know, in terms of environmental activism, organizing. I didn't, I started my environmental activism not knowing how to start and really in the same shoes, same place that there are millions of people around the world are feeling that they're in as well. Um, And so I I took to heart that mainstream ideal that I was like, all right, every opportunity that comes across my table, I'm gonna take. And every every time that someone offers me to do something, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it to the best of my ability. Um and I'm just gonna keep working and working because this is something I'm passionate about, and something I wanna do. And uh I remember um senior year of high school, I uh was running a different initiative or organization or club or or whatever. Every single day, so like all seven days of the week, I was doing a different thing, a different project, um, and uh, and I was I, I just like would try I would accept and any time that another project would come across my table, I'd be like, yes, of course, I'm going to do that. Um, and so, yes, I would say that that mainstream advice is really good when you're first getting started, when you're first wanting to get involved, you're first wanting to get engaged. You said you should say yes. Um, to almost everything that that you know is, is along the lines of something that you want to be doing, because um, that not only will give you the experience and the opportunities and, and relationships that can help build towards more opportunities, uh, but it's also contributing towards a good cause. Um, and this is particularly for climate activism, but it can go for any activism as well, or any organization or or whatever. But the real the real advice that I'd have is. Learn to say no to things, and and learn to to um to reject offers. Um, and I, I think that that was the hardest lesson that I've learned in activism is that if you say yes to literally everything that you're doing, then you're gonna do, you're gonna end up the way that I was uh, my senior year of high school or my freshman year of college, where I was I was um I was basically I was a candle burning on both ends, and I was I was just I was running on fumes. I was, I was tired all the time. I had, I, I think I would, would average about like four hours of sleep a night or less. Um, I would, I, I was eating unhealthy. I was, uh, I was always feeling kind of groggy and I wasn't, I wasn't doing the work that I should be and I was missing deadlines and, and I was, I was doing the things that I wanted to do, but I was doing too much of what I wanted to be doing. Um, and so, something that I that I learned the hard way, but something that I hope that not everyone has to learn the hard way, is that once you start really getting into it, and you start really getting passionate, and you're getting involved, and you're doing different initiatives, um, learn to pick and choose specific initiatives that you want to commit a lot of time to. Um, with Think Ocean, I remember I, I made a decision in college that I cut I cut off uh, I cut down on a lot of my commitments so that I could commit more time for Think Ocean um, and put more time into that organizing. Um, and that coalesced into being able to travel almost almost every weekend um, last last fall and a lot of last summer and last spring um, to different conferences and different activist events and initiatives and etc. for um, for the work that I do with Think Ocean um, and climate activism. And what I realized is even that is very 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 stressful. But if I was doing that plus you know a dozen other organizations, it'd be too much. So my, my advice for people is say yes to opportunities, get involved, get engaged, and, and pursue things that you're passionate about. But, and this is the important part, learn to say no and don't overextend yourself because you can do too much of, good, of a good thing.
0: <laughs> That's it. That really is it. Like Every single time you had spoken under this very court, I enjoyed it so much, really. I think you shared really important wisdom for every single person who is going to listen to this podcast. And if those people also wishing to contribute to change, I think you shared some beautiful guidelines as well. Thank you so much, Ben. Yeah, thank you for
1: time. having me, Orshan. And it's always a pleasure. And li- likewise, I've, I've gotten so much out of our conversations and out of, uh, out of this podcast as well. But... <laughs> Um, you're incredible for be- for doing this and for running these sort of podcasts and, you know, helping to get people engaged and show people, uh, like, various different um, stories on on how to get engaged and how to get involved. You're awesome, dude.
0: <laughs> Love you. So stay safe. Yeah, if you don't
1: mind, I was going <laughs> to plug real quick that um, anyone that is listening is interested in getting involved. Uh for Think Ocean in particular, our website is thinkoceanglobal.org. Um, you can find us on social media at uh, Think Ocean Global. Um, and uh, um, feel free to reach out. Feel free to get involved. If you want to get engaged with our organization, um, all the information to do that is on our website.
0: I, I just hope from the bottom of my heart that this very podcast will generate a lot of Turkish environmental activists reaching out to Think Ocean and a moment will come where we will be hosting you in Istanbul. <laughs> and then you will be seeing all these people going like, hey, that's the guy whom I listened on the podcast and who is the founder of Think Ocean, doing some imp- important work for climate. And we will be thanking you again when that time comes. So till that time, stay safe. Love you. And See you, Orson. Bye-bye.